my two-year-old, Lewis, has a new favorite toy. It's a baseball, like a real baseball, not a whistle ball. He will not accept that cheap alternative. I've tried many times. He wants the real thing. And now remember, he is two years old. Okay? So he does not realize how much damage he can do with this ball. I don't think he will until he breaks a window or a nose or something else with it. Well, this morning we're exploring words. And it occurred to me that words are like baseballs in the hands of two-year-olds. We fling them around, often without any idea of what kind of impact they can have, how dangerous they can be. And it certainly doesn't help that we live, I think, in an age of unhealthy speech. I mean, the the spoken word and the written word has seen better days. Amen? This was written 30 years ago from Neil Postman. He says, 30 years ago, I was in diapers when he wrote this, okay? I hope I was out of diapers by then, actually. I'll I'll consult my parents. (laughs) He writes, Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. They do not argue with propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. So yes, the spoken and written word have seen better days. This came home to me this week as I was combing through the book of Proverbs, uh, pulling out every verse that has to do with our speech, every verse that has to do with the words that we say. And I wrote down four entire yellow legal pads worth of verses. I counted 123 Proverbs. And at the bottom of that first page, that first legal page, I had to think, wow, I need a ton, a ton of wisdom about words. I had no idea. And we all do. And that's why I love Proverbs. Proverbs is words of grace to children who need it. So, for instance... When I see in my own children's lives, my own boys' lives, an area of struggle, I don't get mad at them, but I lean in to them and I help them, I discipline them, I instruct them. I teach them. That is exactly the posture that God has towards His children with the book of Proverbs. He's not saying, do this so that you can become my children. He's saying, you are my children, therefore watch me parent you and receive my parenting. And that could be true with our speech. We need a ton of help with how and what we say. In Proverbs, is God the Father leaning in saying, let me help you. And he does it with these 123 verses. And I'm not going to go through all 123. Don't worry. But I would encourage you to do what I do. Pick a topic and go through Proverbs. Pull them out. 
But you could group these 123 verses on speech into three categories. And we'll do it this way. The power of words, the source of words, and the use of words. Let's take a look at each in turn. So first, the power of words. And as I share these Proverbs and these verses, these chapters and verses, I would encourage you to flip along with me. There'll be a lot of flipping. But there is no shame in just listening along as well. And so if you turn to Proverbs 18.21, you'll see this about words. 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We speak on average 16,000 words a day. That means there are 16,000 moments in your life every single day where you can put things to death with your words or bring things to life with your words. 16,000 opportunities to kill or to enliven. Words are powerful. And for four reasons... They can destroy. They can absolutely destroy. Words have the power to destroy others. So Proverbs 16, 27. says, A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Proverbs 12, 18. The first half says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. So the two images we have about the power of words initially is a scorching fire and sword thrusts. But words also have the power to heal. If you stay on 12.18, the second half of 12.18 says this, The tongue of the wise brings healing. So the same tongue that can pierce like a sword and destroy can also bring healing. A few verses later in chapter 12, verse 27 We see this proverb, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Amen. Anybody know that their heart feels weighed down, but a good word makes him glad. So when my son Henry was in the NICU for three months, you could say I was weighed down by anxiety. And I remember how a certain doctor amongst all the doctors we interacted with had good words. Now, I'm not saying good news. They didn't necessarily bring good news to us, but the way that they spoke, their affect, and the words that they chose were careful and caring. And I have to tell you that what happened to my anxious soul is exactly what Proverbs 12.25 said would. It became lighter. There is power in words. In contrast to that, the careless words from the other doctors. If you are in the medical profession, take heed. How you speak to your patient matters profoundly towards their healing. Not just what you know, but how you say what you know. Words have power. Because they can destroy, they can build up. They also dig deep. They dig deep. Words are powerful because they dig deep. And we saw that words can be like sword thrusts, which is a... A vivid image. Notice words are not like blunt trauma. They're more like sword thrusts. They penetrate. They go deep. 
And they stay there. And we also saw just a second ago that just as bad words can, and by that I don't mean cuss words, bad words, right? Wicked speech, that can cut down into the internal part of who you are as much as good words can. They can lift an anxious heart up. They go deep. So that chapter 18, verse 8, says this. The words of a whisperer. Now, what is a whisperer? A whisperer is a code word in the book of Proverbs for a gossiper. Someone who has to whisper something so the other person doesn't hear that you're talking about them. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down where? Into the inner parts of the body. So words are like food. You eat them. You don't just hear them. You eat them and then they stick in you and they inform all of you. Words hurt and heal precisely because they can sink deep. Years ago, I shared with you this, but it stays with me whenever I get to the topic of words. And it's this prison chaplains will report that those who are in jail, the men that they talk to, in this case, the men that he talked to, he would ask the simple question. How many of you had fathers who told you with words you will be in jail one day? And the entire room raised their hand. Words sink deep. And words are powerful finally because they spread fast. Either for good or for bad. So the spread of words can be like a revival or it can be like an infectious disease. It can be either. So for good, we see in Proverbs 10, 11, this example. 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And if you flip to 15 verse 4, you see the gentle tongue is a tree of life. So two images, a fountain of life and a tree of life. So instead of sword thrusts and scorching fire, there's the opportunity to be a fountain of life and a tree of life. Now remember, fountains are not decorative in the ancient world. Fountains were actually restorative. They actually kept you alive. They were where you found water in a desert culture. And so your words can can bring life. They can help someone survive. And then a tree of life, similarly, was not just decorative, something you put in your landscaping scheme. No, a tree was something from which you ate and stayed alive. So again, words can heal. Words can actually bring life and bring blessing. Recently, Pastor Ligon Duncan preached a sermon on institutional racism in the church. And many who were there said they felt like they were in the epicenter of a revival, of an awakening, of an eye-opening revival that will reverberate, we pray, where it needs to. 
That's the power of a good word. You know, every time I preach, you ought to pray that this sermon, this sermon, me preaching God's word would have that kind of effect amongst us. And not the opposite, which is for ill, which if you look at Proverbs 6, 14, you'll see an example of word spreading for ill. 614 says a wicked man with crooked speech is continually sowing discord. 1627, the second half says a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. So words can spread and bring revival or infection. Both speak to their power. Words are powerful. In my life, I've been built up by words and I've been torn down by words. Amen. Anyone else? This is an easy point to convince you of that words are powerful. Many of us know intuitively and experientially that words are powerful. We have words that we carry in us every single day that define us. We are stuck in patterns because of things people have said to us. Influential people. To this day, I carry with me words of my friend Ramin, who looked at me in a Starbucks on High Street in Oxford, Ohio, and said, Joe, you are called. Write it down so you don't forget. And I've had words spoken to me, like the first time I preached a sermon, that tore me down. And I continue to wrestle with the two words spoken to me. You are called. And I don't know about that. (laughs) I mean, listen, and you might relate, but I have, I remember insults from middle school and I don't remember their names, but I remember what they said. Words are powerful. And so the first step with words and wisdom with our words is recognizing their power. It's like teaching a child to drive. The first step in teaching a child to drive is say, son, daughter, you can kill somebody with this. This is a metal missile. And you're going to go like really fast towards other people on a street. You best recognize Same with words. Same with words. Wisdom and words will never happen until we recognize their inherent power. They're powerful. Words are so powerful. Man, in our culture, we don't think words are powerful. We think words just slide off the back. We think words just, you know, words are, are, we're in a word inflation season, I would say. If words were money, our words don't buy much anymore. Oh, but we would be unwise to therefore conclude that words do not have power. Number two, the source of words. So Proverbs unpacks its teaching on words by by displaying their power, but also by displaying their ultimate source. Jesus, who is our wisdom, Jesus, who taught with wisdom, says this in Matthew twelve thirty four. He says, whatever is in your heart determines what you will say. 
in the Bible, the heart is not just a muscle or an organ that pumps blood. The heart is the control center. The heart is, think of it this way, what we justify with our minds, what we desire with our hearts, our affections, what we will to do is all bundled together tightly as your heart. That's how the scriptures understand the heart. It's the command center of all of your life. And so Jesus is saying that our words have the heart as its source. And I wonder if he was thinking about Proverbs 4, chapter 4, verse 23. Which I encourage you to turn to and I encourage you to underline it because it's not really a dating verse. Though it's used that way often, it is an all-encompassing verse for all of life. Verse 23 of chapter 4 says, Keep or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That's another way of saying that everything in your life, everything in your life, and for our purposes this morning, every word you speak, is downstream from your heart. On Thursday, my wife and I were cleaning the house, and I mean cleaning. Okay, there's cleaning, and then there's cleaning. <laughs> we're talking sweeping and vacuuming, and get this, we actually got a mop out, and we were mopping. So when everything was spotless and everything was tidy and my heart was resting because I love those things, our little boy Lewis woke up from his nap and he came downstairs and saw everything clean and saw us cleaning as well and asked if he could participate. So we did indeed give him a long duster and I sort of turned my eyes away from him and then a few moments I saw tons of dirt and tons of junk that he had pulled out from underneath all of our furniture with that duster and I got mad (laughs) I was upset he did nothing wrong he simply exposed what was there but hidden and that's exactly what words do words are simply exposing what is hidden in your heart And so if we want to be life-giving with our words, if we want to be wise with our words, the takeaway is this. We need to ask God to examine and change our hearts. You know, Proverbs is not a book on sophistry. Sophistry is this idea that we can manipulate others with our words, and so all we need in life is to change our words and how we speak. Now, the Scriptures go a lot deeper than that. The Scriptures are saying this. Get to the heart if you want your speech to change. So think of it this way. If we hurt someone with our words, if we lie to them, if we gossip about them, there is a heart idol underneath giving it its source and power and life. We'll just take lying. If you lie to somebody over dinner, I would encourage you to ask God to reveal what's going on in your heart 
that compelled you to lie. You can go about that one of two ways. One's very shallow and one's very deep. The shallow approach to lying is to say, God, I'm sorry I lied. Help me tell the truth. That's good. Let's do that. But why don't we go deeper while we're at it? And say, God, I'm sorry I lied. Will you forgive me? Lord, would you now examine and expose in my heart the reason that I lied? I'm afraid of people disapproving of me. Or I want that raise. And I cannot imagine life without that raise. So I had to lie about something in order to maintain my standing in the presence of my colleague. Or I just simply want control. I love being in control. And when I tell the truth about something I've done wrong, I feel vulnerable. These are the heart issues that we all need to go to in order to see change in our speech. Number three, our use of words. As I said, Proverbs unpacks this rich depository of wisdom about words in three ways. The power of words, what we just explored, the the source of words, and now finally the use of words. Remember the word wisdom in Hebrew is chokmah. You're like, I don't remember that. That's fine. You don't have to remember that. But know this about that word. That word is used in the Old Testament to describe the artisans of Israel. Chokmah is skill in an art. So being wise is being skillful in an art. And so what we need to do as we explore Proverbs about our speech for the remainder of our time is to ask God to shape us into wordsmiths. If we're going to be wise about our words, we're going to be wordsmiths. We're going to be aware of what words do to other people. We're going to become wise in our speech. That's every Christian's birthright. When you were born again, you were given a new heart. And from that new heart, will Now, maybe will from that new heart will issue new words. Amen. From your new heart will issue new words. That is God's spirit in you working. And that is that is his promise to you this morning. And he doesn't just give you a vacuum from which uh, or a vacuum in which we speak, but he gives us good architecture. And we see it in Proverbs in three areas. For the sake of memory, we'll put it this way. Truth, trust, and tact. Truth, trust, and and tact. So let's first explore truth. Always craft your words toward the truth. Proverbs tells us in evocative language and with imagery that words can be straight or crooked. Isn't that great? Words can be straight or crooked. So, for example, in chapter 8, verse 8, if you take a look, Proverbs says, All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. You have this contrast between straight, the word righteous could be understood as straight words, 
and then crooked or twisted words. Uh, the National Book Award winner, Walter Wangerin Jr., um, he is dying of cancer. And he is a believer. And I recommend you read his books and his memoirs. Walter Wangerin Jr. At a writing conference, he overlooked, probably one of his last writing conferences, he overlooked this room full of aspiring writers and he said to them, never lie. Here's a man at the end of his life, a wordsmith, and he says, you'll be tempted. He's like, always tell the truth. Keep your words straight. So that's that's truth. We want to bend our words towards truth. We also, Proverbs will tell us that our words can either build or break trust. That's the second point, trust. Our words can either build or break trust. And so we should, I think by implication, use our words to build trust. Amen? Is Is that intuitive? If our words can build trust or break trust, let's build trust. Is that good? All right. And we know we're on good footing if that's our approach because of what Proverbs says about breaking trust. So Proverbs 11, if you turn there and look at verse 13, it says this. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. We already heard chapter 18, verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And so these are two examples in which our words can break trust. Proverbs has a lot to say about that, about slander or about gossip. And the most helpful advice that I read about the difference between gossip and and humble evaluation of somebody. Lies in the motivation. Are you saying something about somebody to build yourself up? Is pride fueling this evaluation? words can also build trust. If you see in chapter 26, verse 20, this incredible image, he says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out and where there is no whisperer or gossiper, quarreling ceases. And so when you individually in this church make it your goal to not gossip and to not listen to gossip, it is as if you are pulling out a piece of wood from a fire pit. And if we all pull that piece of wood that is our own wood out of that fire pit, what happens? The fire goes out. And so this is a word that melds individual and community in a beautiful way. If we are to be a community that does not harbor and encourage gossip, then we will each individually take our wood out. And when we see it happening, we will withdraw. And we will ask God to reveal in our hearts when it is happening. And when we're partaking. 
trust. Number three, and lastly, tact. Proverbs tells us to use our words with tact. To speak with tact is to say the right thing at the right time and in the right way. Wisdom is growing in all three with our words. So, for instance, we ought to grow in our ability to say the right thing. Precision of speech. So Proverbs 25, 11 says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. So a word that fits is beautiful. At the right, the right word, a fitting word. But you can say the right thing at the wrong time. Amen? Anybody received the right thing at the wrong time? I love 2714. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. <laughs> so don't call your friend up at 2 a.m. and say, I really just have been encouraged by you. Man, I see gifts in you. Like the Lord is growing you. Don't say that at 2 a.m. in the morning. Say it at 2 p.m. when you're having coffee. <laughs> You can say the right thing at the wrong time. You can also do this with Scripture. So, for instance, someone is grieving and you come to them like a baseball bat with truth about, you know, about what God is doing. Very true things. But you're saying it at the wrong time. So that Proverbs 15, 23 says to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. Make sure your words are seasonable. How good it is. And then sometimes the best timing for a word is to not say it at all. Did you know that? Sometimes restraint is knowing good timing. In Proverbs, if you comb through Proverbs, you'll see a ton of verses relating to verbal restraint. And there's all kinds of reasons why you might want to restrain your lips. So that Proverbs 10, 19 says, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So every time I'm driving to meet with someone else, every time I know I'm going to be in a situation where I'm talking, um, I, I need to pray, Lord, help me listen. Help me be quick to listen. And slow to speak. The word that has helped me the most is the word curious. So I'll say, Lord, make me curious in the presence of this person. And that can help stop your tongue. So the right thing at the right time. But you can also say the right thing in the wrong way. So the right thing at the right time in the right way or manner. So Proverbs 15.1 says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you could tell the truth and not be harsh. It is possible. Can we say that? You can tell the truth to somebody and not be harsh. The Apostle Paul would call that gentleness in Galatians 6. You can tell the truth, even if it's a hard word. Remember, Proverbs says, The wounds of a friend. It's possible to be a friend and to say something that hurts. You're not harming somebody. 
But if you're telling the truth and if you have a real friendship, you might say some things that, that smart a little bit. You can do that and not be a jerk. You can do that with kindness and gentleness, according to Proverbs. Proverbs 25, 20 says, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. So when someone is grieving, you can say truth, like all things work together, buddy, but in a way that hurts. Gracious words are like honeycomb, says Proverbs sixteen twenty four. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So at the end of the day, what we all could do in this topic is we could ask God and we could examine our hearts and say, God, were my words today life-giving? Were they like honeycomb? That's being a wordsmith. That's being mindful of our speech. So how do we do this? How do we grow in our wisdom with words? Well, Proverbs 30, verse 5 gives us a clue. And this is worth turning to. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says this. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So every word of God proves true. So everything that we said about wisdom and about speaking wise words is true and only true about God. So the way I think that we are to be healthier in our words is not just with willpower, but by immersing ourselves in God's word. Or to use the image in chapter 30, verse 5, we are to shield ourselves in God's word. We are to immerse ourselves in God's word. And so we are to read our Bible where there is true words spoken perfectly. But we also need to look at Jesus, who is the word with a heartbeat, which is the word made flesh According to John, Jesus is the walking word. According to Paul, Jesus is our wisdom. If you add the two together, Jesus is the wise word. And so if we are to become wise with our words, we must look and receive and rest in Jesus. Jesus is the wise word in the flesh. He is the perfect word, which if you think about it, in 30 verse 5, if Jesus is the perfect word of God, he could destroy us upon us looking at him. We, like Isaiah, would say, woe is me, for I am a man or a woman with unclean lips. But what does Jesus, the true and perfect word, do when he encounters his people? He does not curse, he blesses. In fact, he came, the perfect word, and died on a cross, was cursed, so that you would never be cursed. Oh man, Jesus is the perfect word who died for our unclean lips, every lie, every gossip, every slander, past, present, and future. Jesus doesn't curse you, he blesses you and makes your words alive. So... If you take hold of the word with empty hands of faith, your words will never condemn you. If you receive the real word, your words will become more real. If you trust in the true word, your words 
will gradually become straighter and straighter and less crooked and twisted. If you rely on the reliable word, your word will become more reliable. And if you live on the life-giving word, your words can and will give life. Lord, we have a lot of work to do with our words, but thank you that you do not condemn us with your word. You actually speak of grace. And so we can actually rest and and now grow by your spirit. May we be a community hope. This church that is full of wordsmiths, not paralyzed, not, not, not afraid to speak, but, but conscientious about our speech. Thank you for Jesus, the living word who we are united to and who therefore is our confidence. And thank you for your spirit who gave us a new heart from which we can speak new words. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.